We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to Thursday, April 6th edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are live talking through uh, a podcast that's pretty late, right? It's uh, last night, went and saw the movie Air, which was phenomenal. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Michael Jordan, Sonny Vaccaro movie depicting the um, process to put Michael Jordan with Nike and get him to sign with him, and it's really fun. Uh, always a sucker for a time period piece. Mix it with, uh, you know, some of the nostalgia of... Uh, the era, the basketball, uh, all that stuff, man, and it was just a great movie. Really recommend that movie if you need a night out or you care about, you know, how that stuff came together. Really interesting story, but came back last night, wanted to upload the podcast, but the software to upload it, the website was down, so couldn't do that. Want to re-record this morning, so I'm doing that now. And a couple things as we start before we get into the open. I want to say thanks to people that continue to review the podcast. I don't know if some of you just hadn't uh, thought about doing it yet, and I hate that I'm reminding people to do that, but it's been really helpful. Some of the nicest things have been written. I really do appreciate that, the honest feedback, and uh, it just means a lot. So if you have been reviewing the podcast, uh, thank you a ton, and and especially taking the time to write up some of those reviews you guys have written uh, on the Apple side have been really meaningful. So Spotify, Apple, however you review, honest reviews are always welcome. Uh, So I appreciate that very, very much. Just wanted to reiterate that. So a couple things will happen. We're going to do a reshare of the OBR Weekly Show, which had a myriad of different OBR guests. So that will be a part of this podcast. But I want to open it with continuing to look at putting together player rankings for the Browns, doing this uh, big board by position. So we've done quarterback, we've done running back. I want to do wide receiver today before we get to the weekend because going to do franchise mode with Andrew Spade for tomorrow. So looking at wide receiver, obviously at this point, having brought in Elijah Moore to go with Amari Cooper, to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, now, we know Michael Woods went down uh, just the other day. We talked through that. That does change some end-of-the-position group dynamics, but I don't think it uh, has any effect on whether they draft a receiver or not. I think they're they're looking forward to the time when Amari Cooper is no longer with the Browns. They have a big decision to make around an extension for Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I, I think receiver has always been a possibility. Elijah Moore 
help solve some of that equation, but I don't think that persuades them from one of their eight picks going to the position. So it's just a matter of where they they take a player. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, their type, you know, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, that most of those guys, even Jalen Hyde, who's been into Cleveland for a visit, most of those guys are going to be gone. But when I'm looking at forty or sorry, seventy four, I still think there's going to be a couple players. I, I, most of these guys should be here when when they go. There's a couple that could threaten. My first two will threaten being gone, but I expect them to be here. So Tyler Scott's the first one. You've heard me talk about Tyler Scott probably a lot leading up to this, whether through the dueling mock draft shows or just on Twitter. I think he's a really nice receiver value. They have him pegged to be a third round guy at Pro Football Focus. I think that's probably fair. Um, it's just going to be where somebody wants to take him. Dane Brugler has him at 48 on his top 100 big boards, so that seems high compared to some publications. It's a little all over the board. He could be in the 60s. They can maybe make a move to get him. It, it's a matter of how much they would want him. Now, I don't think they're going to press the need at wide receiver and see who lands in their lap, but a fall similar to some of the names last year's draft that we thought could be you know, surprisingly some wide receivers were still on the board we didn't think would be there. This always happens. So the thing with Scott is he's 5'11", 185, traditionally a slot-sized wide receiver, but he's an outside linear route runner, right? He's at best when he's eating up cushion, right? When he's running away from people, putting, you know, whatever route is on the toes of the corner and then making a move and then running past them. And, you know, that's strong lower half of his body. I think that's a stop-start ability. He's not just a runner. He can get in and out of cuts. He can do the deep digs. He can do comebacks. He can do out routes, um, slants, right? He can run away from people. Clocked at a four two nine before. I think his pro day at Cincinnati was much better than what his time was at the combine. Ends up kind of registering about a four four. I think he's a little lower than that. Uh, just runs. Football speed is really really strong, and that's how he wins. Right, speed is how he wins. Uh, he's going to be a vertical route tree guy. Uh, I think he can get a little bit better with some of the hip movement flexibility stuff, but he catches. I think he catches the football well enough. He frames it the way I'd like to see him frame it, and and I think that stuff stands out to me. Uh, does a nice job, in my opinion, with the open field when he can, he can actually you know get away from people. He's not great at it. He's not one of the more slippery players in the class, right? I don't think he's necessarily a guy you think is going to win a bunch of yards after catch. But if you give him the ability to get away from you, he can. And honestly, uh, a comp that I've heard, ironically enough, is Marquise Goodwin. And I think he can be a more consistent version of that 900-yard wide receiver we saw in San Francisco on his second pro contract. So I think there's... Plenty to like about getting a guy like that around pick 74. I feel really good about Tyler Scott if they end up being able to get him. But again, I don't feel all too confident in that. My second one is Marvin Mims, who he he has valuations all over the board. Um, you know, he's actually 19th on Pro Football Focus's rankings. And there's a lot. Listen, there's a lot of good rankings out there. They actually have a misprint here. They list him at 6'3", 200. He's more like 5'11", 180 um, for Marvin Mims. Not, not that big. So... Uh, he, again, he's young. Both him and Scott are 21 years old, so that part of it you really like, right? Um, gives these guys a chance to develop, gives them a longer span of con- contributing to, uh, in my opinion, contributing to a roster, right? So uh, Mims is about six foot, six foot 180, uh, and I think that the smooth speed stands out, right? I think that that's something he's got the body control to contort his body at the catch point, going, getting back shoulders, turning around, tracing. Uh, sorry, tracking the ball. Uh, you know, if a ball's ended up even over the shoulder, late hands, that stuff. I think he does. He does pretty well. Uh, I don't. I don't know that he snaps off routes the way you would like to see them snapped off to consistently create separation. But I do think he does enough innate things well at the position to find. 
enough success. Um, so like I said, ball tracking stuff's phenomenal. He can get vertical out of the slot, which is, again, something I like. He's had slot snaps, 126 last year, 207 the year before. Comfortable operating out of that role. Um, but he's, you know, he's one of the best in the country in deep yards. So he, he pushes down the field, right? I think he does a nice job in that regard. Uh, some of the things just body size limit him. But I, I do think, again, you're looking to fill roles. I think he can do some of the vertical stuff you really want him to do. He can run. He's a 4.38, 40 guy, 40-inch vertical jump, 10-9 broad, a strong three-cone. So, uh, I, again, I, I'm impressed with a lot of things I've seen on tape. Maybe the physicality stuff isn't there, and he's not quite as elusive as you would like for a guy. Not overwhelmingly big, but he does so many things well at the position. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone by 74. But if he is there, I think the Browns should be very interested in him. Uh, third up for me is Jonathan Mingo. Okay, so Mingo to me, uh, is is a bit of a mystery. He's a player that not many people know a ton about, right? He's come out of, uh, if you've paid attention, he's come out of a situation in um, Ole Miss who it wasn't as consistent with the quarterback play as the, the you would like to see, right? But he's quick, efficient route runner for a guy who's big. 6'2", 220 stands out to me, um, particularly looking at his size. You see the Ole Miss uniform, you start thinking DK, you think A.J. Brown. I think he can be a version of those players, um, you know, a cheaper version, not as good, obviously, but I think he's got a lot of similar athletic traits. In, in his testing, obviously, was really strong to, to supplement, you know, what we're talking about here with the, with the athlete on the football field. So when you mix some of those things with the size 6'2", 220, I think you get a football player that can win in a bunch of different ways. He played a lot more slot last year than he's played before. There was an uptick in production uh, from that alignment, right? You pair that with a 4'4", 6'40", 40-inch vertical, 10'09", broad again. You're talking about a guy who can do things that a smaller receiver traditionally does in a bigger, more physical body. So if you want to you know, ask him to run some of the routes that are difficult to run, you want to ask him to take a beating over the middle blocking linebackers and run concepts, you want to ask him to be able to handle catching some of those difficult footballs thrown in some of those tight locations, right? Because he's a bigger body, he can hang on to those. I think he's a guy who can go up and, uh, in my opinion, beat up some smaller slot corners, or if you try to hide a slot corner out wide, he's got experience doing that. Uh, Mingo is just about to turn 22, so he's a touch older, right, and hasn't had crazy production 19, 20, and 21, played with Elijah Moore at Ole Miss for a time. But, you, again, you saw the 861 and five touchdowns last year, so things certainly got better. What you liked was his career-high 154 slot snaps, like I said, uh, that stand out. So, contested catches, he was 7 of 17. Um, which is strong. He did deal with some interceptions thrown in his direction. He forced eight missed tackles. Uh, all some, you know, some things that stood out to me that I like, right, that he was able to do some unique things uh, at different parts of the football field. So the senior bowl is strong. The footwork looks good. The routes look, I think, competent enough. You can continue to mold, though, was with, uh, with the, you know, the mentorship of Moore uh, being around him again, and obviously Amari Cooper. So Jonathan Mingo stands out uh, to me as a guy that the Browns should have on their radar uh, around one of their picks a wide receiver, I'd say, you know, 111. Some people have him pushing toward a round three grade. He could go earlier than some people think. As we push later into the draft, Trey Palmer stands out to me. 6-1-190 LSU transfer goes to Nebraska, puts up a really strong season, 1,043 yards, nine touchdowns, playing 226 slot snaps. So that means he got a significant number of snaps out wide as well. But the slot snaps stand out to me a a way to use him all over the football field. 
real speed, man. A 4340 guy stood out in the track. He's GPSed at 21 miles per hour at the Senior Bowl. One of the fastest guys there. Big wingspan stands out too. 77-inch wingspan. He can also return punts, be a special teams guy. But again, like Scott, more of a linear athlete, but uh, he's not limited to that stuff, right? Now, the drops are a bit of a concern. He's had a higher drop rate, 13.8 career drop rate, and he had 10 last year. But this is a point where you're you're tracking, can he bring the football? Can the, can the drop issues be fixed, right? That's what you want to check into. And I think there's some reason to believe he could improve on this. Now, again, you're picking a guy maybe 126, something like that, 111, 126. They're going to come with some warts, right? But you're looking at attacking, what do they do well? Well, the speed, the deep threat stuff, and he's not limited to gadgety stuff. He has wide receiver skills. Like he, again, I know we all get a little afraid of Anthony Schwartz stuff here, but Schwartz was a... He was a gadget player at Auburn. He didn't do a lot of the vertical route stuff that you saw Trey Palmer do. Uh, and, and again, I think that that's the biggest part of his game that I like. Um, he's got some elusiveness and physicality. Could certainly improve the ball skills, body control stuff on downfield throws. But I'm very interested in him um, at, the, at the later portion of the draft. So uh, last one here, and then I have a couple honorable mentions, uh, is Jaden Reed. Now, Jaden Reed's again a little older. He's a senior. They have him pegged as a fourth rounder, six foot one eighty five. But he's, you know, stuck in a terrible offense uh, throughout his Michigan State career uh, where he put up 1,026 and 10 touchdowns in 2021. In 2022, he came back, put up 636 and five touchdowns and, and less snaps. So, but, but I think you saw at the Senior Bowl what he is, which is a three-level route runner. He can do a lot of different things all over the field. He's not forced to being vertical. He's not forced to being a shallow guy. I think his footwork, his ability to snap off routes was on display at the Senior Bowl, and I think that promise is definitely something that's going to get him on a roster somewhere, and I think he's going to contribute and be a really solid uh, a solid receiver. Uh, and he can run. He can get downfield and really run, too, so he's not limited. He's, it's not like he can't run the deep portions of the field. Um, but he he plays downfield when he's got good body control. He can really go catch it. Even despite the shorter arms, he can go get the football. Now he turns 23, so he's a little older, so this would be certainly on the Browns' radar, but he does a really nice job contested catches, deep catches in the top 30 in the NFL, or sorry, in college ranks last year. The route running stands out. He can move around. He could potentially be up to a number two or a slot receiver, number three, a guy maybe even you put it uh, Z if you have a more dynamic slot. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, route running, he can run downfield speed. He's got some elusiveness. The ball skills I think are good enough Four, four, five, forty. not an explosive vertical jump at 33 and a half. Um, but the broad jump was a 10 one. So, uh, enough, uh, enough explosion there for me. So otherwise the guys that I think stand out to me as like, uh, those that I would put as honorable mentions here, just depending on where the Browns would pick Bryce Ford Wheaton. I've talked about him. Talked about him of late, I should say, relatively late on on him. But he's 6'4", 221, older prospect, right? Finally got some targets at West Virginia. Six to, 62 catches on 105 targets, mostly wide snaps, 390 wide snaps. But uh, put together a nice season, uh, 675 yards, seven touchdowns. Last year, 575 and three touchdowns on 42 catches. So uh, what are you banking on here? If you're taking him at 142 or something along those lines, why are you taking that player? I don't even think he lasts that long. The biggest reason I don't think he lasts that long is because he's too good of an athlete, right? You don't see guys like him at that size with the versatility. He's a, he's a top four relative athletic score at the position of all time. He's 6'3", almost 6'4", 221, 
41 inch vertical, 1009 broad, 43840 with a 258 20 yard split, 152 10 yard split, both of which are elite numbers. And his shuttle was a 415, which is an elite number. Three cone was a 697, which is good. So you're talking about why would we take this guy? Well, it's a you're taking chances. And what I prefer to do, clearly, take chances on great athletes. That should be the goal, right? Taking chances on great athletes should should always be what you're doing late. Uh, you can take it on, you know, players that have upside because their tape's really good, but maybe they didn't test as well. I totally get it. But in the realm of who do I want to take risks on, I want to take risks on great athletes to see if you can develop them with those lotto ticket uh, spots. So he is a guy that I am interested, Bryce Ford Wheaton, as sort of a later um, flyer type pick. The only other one I would say is a young player, Parker Washington, physical player. They they compare him to Amari Rogers. I see it. I see him being able to do things similar to what Debo Samuel's asked to do in San Francisco. Not that he can or he's that guy, but I think he could be. And I think that's the appeal here. He's 5'10, 215, a very physical after the catch run. He's playing with Sean Clifford, man. Like that Penn State offense was a wreck at times. He went for 820 and four touchdowns last year, 6'11 and two touchdowns this past year. 489 and six his freshman year. He's young. He just turned 21, or he's on the cusp of turning 21. Um, no fear over the middle. Running back build. He can he can make people miss uh, through contact after the catch. Um, and, and multiple guys he'll be able to work through. That's the stuff that stands out to me. Now he didn't test many things here. He left a lot to guess. No 40. No shuttle. No vertical. No broad. But the tape is strong. And even if the speed isn't great, you could see the appeal of the young man, right? The ball skills, body control stuff, elusiveness, physicality, route running, I think are all good enough. He could get, you know, sort of more sudden coming out of breaks. That would certainly help. But the physicality stuff stands out to me above anything else. His ability to make people miss, uh, you know, make some contested catches. I think he does all of that stuff fairly well. Made 15 missed tackles happen last year. Uh, made a lot of his own plays come together. So, it would not surprise me to see Parker Washington go a lot earlier than people think. He has not had much draft buzz, largely because he didn't test the way people would like to uh, see him test. So he actually checked in at 510-204. We'll see if he gets any uh, closer to the 215 number that he played last year, if he was trying to lose weight for the pre-draft process. I'm not sure, but the stuff that draws you in is his ability to be almost an extended running back at the position, a more athletic Jarvis Landry, uh, so to say, because of the way he can bring the football in and run after the catch. So that's that's the stuff you're hoping for uh, if you take Parker Washington. There are a lot of guys at the wide receiver position for folks to be interested in, and the Browns have a ton of different ways to go. I mean, we didn't even mention Rishi Rice uh, from from SMU. Like, there are a lot of different players at the wide receiver spot that the Browns could be interested in, right? So Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State, at a really strong Senior Bowl. Another one is Andrea Yosivash, the kid from. Princeton, exceptional athlete, flying under the radar. Jalen Moreno-Cropper from Fresno State certainly has growing list of supporters here in the offseason. A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, you listen to him talk about how he plays the position. It's really, really impressive. Uh, again, a bigger body guy who did some some different route concept stuff at Wake Forest, but I think there's a lot to tap into there. Cedric Tillman, the other Tennessee receiver who's older, but I think is going to be a really nice NFL receiver uh, it's some position. Whoever wants to give him an opportunity, 
I think Tillman's got a real chance. And, and if you look at Tillman, like I think that people, again, he's going to be that guy who can't believe we missed on him. Brian Edwards is the comp that probably feels uh, pretty close. Uh, but again, it's a bigger body player who you think, can he develop the route skill nuance stuff that you need to be successful over time? I think Tillman is worth a shot for the right team. Uh, you know, again, a fun player. And then Michael Wilson, the often injured Stanford receiver who had an, uh, a really dynamic uh, offseason period at the Senior Bowl uh, that got a lot of people interested in him because of the athletic traits. So that's not even, there's no, some that aren't even listed here. Keishon Butte is not even listed in some of these, uh, you know, mock write ups and stuff. And it's like, okay, is he completely out of view now? Because there was a time when he was the first name in this class. From some people, you write know, Nathan Dell or Tank Dell from Houston visited the Browns slot guy can can really make people get lost in space like exception. We talked about Deuce Vaughn in yesterday's running back rankings. This is a guy who is the cat like quickness at wide receiver, but he's five eight and some change, right? Five eight one sixty five. That's incredibly small, but he gets open. So is he an interesting guy, right? BYU's Puka Nakua. I hope I'm saying that one right. Six two two zero one. Another guy who's flying under the radar. Big body player. That is of interest to some teams as the draft process wears on. So I probably have left some off here, but those are my top five. And then I added Bryce Ford, Wheaton, and Parker Washington to that mix for who I think the Browns will be interested in and have at least drawn my attention this draft season. So, okay, we're going to shift over to yesterday's OBR Weekly, Barry McBride, and then again, a group of OBR people join him as, as Fred Greetham was out. So I want to share that so you have some more Browns content to listen to, should you so choose. Otherwise, we'll be back with Franchise Mode tomorrow with Andrew. So appreciate you guys stopping by listening to me ramble on about wide receiver rankings for 20 minutes. If you're interested in some more Browns content, stick around after this break. OBR Weekly Replay will be happening on this podcast. Thanks for being here today, guys. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for April 5th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I am the web dork in chief of the OBR. And you may notice that tonight I am alone on the screen so far. My uh, compadre every week, Fred Breatham, is not here. He is spending time with his beloved grandchildren uh, this week, and so we've given him the week off. But in this special edition of OBR Weekly, I am instead being joined by three of my compadres from the OBR. Let me introduce them one at a time. First up, Mr. Mike Keefe is joining me. Hello, Mike. How are you? Cheers, Barry. What's going on? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I, I am doing very well. Mike is uh, very uh, intelligently brought with him a beer because he knows the best way to relate to me uh, on air or otherwise is while inebriated. And uh, likewise, Mr. Jack Duffin is joining us, likewise with a beer, <laughs> because Let's go. He, also, he also knows that's the best way to deal with a web dork is while inebriated. And last but not least, of course, uh, Mr. Brad Ward, wearing his salary oh. cap, has joined us. Brad, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, gentlemen. How are we doing this evening? Jealous? I'm jealous, Brad. You guys Cap didn't get your hats yet? What's going on? Mine got delivered to my house today, but I am not at my house. You didn't get the memo oh. over there in England there, Jack? Still waiting for it. Um, oh, it jealous. Turns out the shipping is slightly longer to get all the way over the pond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's a beaut. I like it. It's a beauty. Can't wait. And if you are not uh, managing your own salary cap, why not? They are available in the OBR store, shop.theobr.com, and you can confuse your friends and enemies by wearing a hat that says the cap is real on the side of it and salary on the front, making it a salary cap. Let's go. I've got the brown and orange one that doesn't stand out quite as well as Brad's does but uh, is more Browns-esque in color. Yes. And I had to, of course, wear it today. But uh, as always, uh, before we get into the show, the usual disclaimer, uh, this show is powered by your comments and questions. Without those, you're stuck with whatever I come up with. So please hit us with your comments and questions in the YouTube and chat and, and Twitch chat rooms, or else you're stuck with whatever I've come up with. Uh, we're going to start off with those while uh, you guys uh, hit us up with uh, with your comments and questions. And we've already got some from Fumble13 and Larry in the YouTube chat room. 
and uh, those are appreciated. So continue to uh, hit us up with those. And uh, I don't know. I would, what what exactly are you drinking, Jack? Oh, well, there you go. I'm there drinking go. cider from Sweden. <laughs> Can I show you the size of this beer? That's this beer next to my head. This is 32 ounces right it's apparently, there. Apparently it's got a president or something on it. I, I don't know who that bearded fellow is, but he looks like he takes beer seriously. I don't think it's a president. It could be James Garfield, a Cleveland boy. A Cleveland well, boy, James Garfield. There you go. He looks like he takes beer seriously, whoever it is. But you guys are both taking beer seriously, and that's what's Damn important right. here. That, that's that's what's important. All right, let's go through the subjects of the week. There aren't there wasn't a ton of news this week. I led one newswire with Pharaoh Brown signing with another team, so you can tell it was kind of a light week. But we do have some news. And the first topic I want to talk about is a defensive tackle, Al Woods, who came to town. Um, and it's no secret that the uh, OBR – uh, has been pining for a large human being to come to Cleveland to solve the problem in the middle of the Browns' defensive line. Uh, one did this week, but he is probably left without a contract. Uh, Al Woods, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, he's been reported to be of interest also to the New York Jets. So, Jack, I'm going to start with you. Tell me why Al Woods is a guy we would have wanted or the Browns would have wanted on the team. And offer your thoughts on perhaps why the Browns let him go without a contract. Yeah, so you've got last year, looking back, 1,100 snaps roughly is what the defense played in total. You're talking about 1.8 defensive tackles per snap. So you need plenty of guys. We've signed Tomlinson, which is great. He plays roughly around 600, 650 snaps a season. So that's really nice. That's 55% of your snaps done. What about all the other snaps that we need defensive tackles for. So it's how will they go and fill those holes. Um, and we've got nice options. Winfrey, I think, is a nice three. If Hurst and Hill are sort of your four, you're still missing a two. And I think this is where Al Woods comes in. And it's very much, I think you'd see a large amount of time where it'd be Woods or Tomlinson um, out there, it wouldn't be one where you would play them both together all the time. Obviously, in key downs, in sort of anything like a obvious run play, you put them both out there together. But effectively, that could be your cycle for your um, three technique spot. Uh, sorry, one technique, um, which is just over the uh, center, and then put out a more pure pass rusher. Whether it's a Winfrey, whether it's a Maurice Hurst, because he's phenomenal. If we go back to 2020 uh, when he was fully healthy, um, or hey. Throw Miles Garrett in there. Let's have some fun. First ever sack as a Cleveland Brown actually came on the interior. All right. Follow, uh, follow up from Fumble 13. I'm going to throw this one to you, Brad. Uh, since Al Woods came and went, what do you think the chances are that he might sign here eventually? Um, I don't think it means a whole lot. I mean, if he initially said that he was going to visit with two teams, right, uh, then I guess I don't put a lot of stock into – the whole like, oh, don't, you know, everybody says that. Don't let it, if you really want them to stay, don't let them leave the building, right? Don't ever let them leave the building. Eh, we'll see. I, I put it like 50-50 uh, probably at this point. I You know, I agree. He's a big body. Uh, we probably need to throw as many of those guys at this position as we can. Um, and uh, he is certainly one that I would be interested in adding uh, for sure. But I put it at like 50-50. 
I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And there's other guys out there too. Um, yes. I, you, you know, we boycotted in the OBR Slack Matt Ioannidis. We just said you, you can't talk about Matt Ioannidis anymore because we we talked yeah, about him here too much. He but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bring him up because he's a pass rusher. You know, you, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is more of a rush guy. I like the idea of Ioannidis because he's he's more of a pass pressure type guy. But but there are other guys out there. You know, let's not panic if. Woods signs with the Jets. You know, he wasn't at the top of everyone's list necessarily uh, before this. Uh, and, you know, there's still obviously a chance he could sign. Let's go to uh, our second subject of the week, and that is the weirdness in Baltimore. Hmm. Things are very, very strange in Baltimore um, today. And we have a question on this. Uh, it was originally di- uh, directed to Fred. I'll get to it here in a second. But uh, they're seemingly threatening to throw reporters out of pre-draft press conferences. We're talking about quarterbacks, uh, one specific quarterback, in fact. They're chasing OBJ with wads of cash. Clay Campbell bailed on them. They even got themselves rejected by ex-Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. It's very, very weird. Not what we're used to seeing in Baltimore. You know, that's that's supposed to be us where the weird things are happening. That's supposed to be the Browns where the weird things are happening. They're happening in Baltimore. So, Mike, I'm going to turn to you. With all this weirdness in Baltimore and the rebuilding, which they would deny in Pittsburgh, who do you think is going to wind up on the bottom of the AFC North this year? And Cleveland is not an appropriate answer. First of all, could you imagine being a fan of a trash can franchise like the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> could not be me, baby. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. That dysfunction over there. Forget about it. Forget about it. No, I love it. This is great. This is one of my favorite things that's ever happened. And I'm going to answer with Baltimore. I'm going to take the chalk answer. I think Baltimore's. Uh, listen, I want it. I would love to say Pittsburgh. Uh, but I have faith in Mike Tomlin. Uh, unfortunately, just top to bottom. You put Mike Tomlin at, at the head of an organization, uh, at, at the head of a coaching staff, and I'm going to have faith in that team. I'm obviously not going to pick Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to be really good again. They're going to be a really good football team. I mean, we're all sitting here talking about, you know, the Browns have got to make a push to win uh, the division this year. Uh, that's that's kind of the bar we're setting for this Cleveland Browns team. That's a Cincinnati Bengals team that's right in the way, and they're going to have to get past them, and that's a good Cincinnati Bengals team uh, a really good team. So they're not coming in last place. Of course, I'm not picking the Browns. The Browns are going to be the most improved team in football this year. What are we talking about here? <laughs> Cleveland, Browns, Cleveland Browns and the Bengals are going to the wire for the AFC division championship. This Baltimore thing, I feel uh, about John Harbaugh a lot the way I feel about Mike Tomlin. I like John Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. The look on his face lately in press conferences and and just anytime he's he's got this like blank stare on his face. He's got this like get me the hell out of here look on his face. It's hard to blame. Like, him. like he doesn't it like all this thing is going down around him. He he's the band playing on the Titanic right now. He's just trying to figure out what's going on. He just wants to be out of there, is what it looks like. So yeah, I'm gonna take Baltimore. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. It, make, it makes no sense. This whole situation today with this press conference where they're they're yelling at reporters and telling them they can't ask questions and kicking them out of the press conference, I love seeing it. I love to see it. Last, your last place, your 2023 last place Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Question from Fumble13. 
before uh, I announced that Fred was not going to be here tonight, he was going to ask Fred if he's ever been spoken to like the rapper PR guy spoke to that reporter today. And I guarantee you Fred has never been talked to like that. Uh, he's never had to react to that situation. I have never heard in my time in Cleveland a reporter be scolded like that. I, I, I've just I, I've never heard it in any of the press conferences I've been to or that I've watched over YouTube, you know, or whatever, you know, that I've watched over Zoom or whatever. I've never heard it in Cleveland. And so that, you know, that's pretty dramatic uh, and uh, unusual uh, that something like that happens. Brad or Jack, do either of you disagree with Mike and think that the Steelers or uh, even the Bengals might wind up in the cellar? Certainly not the Browns, of course, not the Browns. I've got three words to say on the Ravens turmoil. Thank you, Sashi. That's it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> He's still on the Browns payroll. Yeah, no, I I would uh I just don't see a way back, you know, for Baltimore at this point. You know, the, he announces the trade was on March 2nd. He refuses at this point to get an agent and he's really hurting himself every day that he goes without an agent. He had some, you know, he had the uh uh, inventor of whatever they were pawning the the ass blaster three thousand. Uh, <laughs> you know they had that guy uh, calling teams up to try to uh, you know get his contract for him. And Florio will not back off that story. He swears he has sources that that Ken dude was calling up teams to uh, to uh, make that deal. So who knows what's going on in in Lamar's camp? But I don't think he's coming back. Uh, I think he'll sit out before he plays on the tag that uh, they gave him. Because really, I mean, Baltimore has kind of screwed themselves too. I mean, I know they were trying to take the cheap route here, but in doing so, they have, uh, you know, kind of negotiated in bad faith a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I know they thought this was the best way to go about it, but it doesn't seem like it's going to... My question is this, right? I'll pose this to you guys. If he does sit out a year, is anybody going to come to him with the deal that he wants after he sits out a year? I mean, it's not like the injury question marks and the things are going to go away. Um, Or do you think at at that point somebody will have enough time to plan money-wise and come to him with the deal and sign him to the fully... or he? I guess it doesn't have to be fully guaranteed anymore. It needs to be... $230 $230 million guaranteed, and it can be, you know, it can be a $300 million deal, but only 230 has to be guaranteed. But it needs to be exactly that amount, so. I, th- I think there's two things working against him at the moment. Is One is pre-draft. Um, lots of the teams that want him have got top 10 picks, so why would you give up your top 10 pick now when you can sign him after the draft? And it wouldn't surprise me if the Ravens end up trading him pre-draft for a second this year and a first next year just to go, we would rather have the second this year than a first in 2025. Yeah. Um, because that's effectively what you're doing and saying, just give me the picks, let's get it done. And then the other part is um, the teams have seen what happened to Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Not that that was a bad thing entirely, but you don't want to go after a quarterback and then not get him. And if he was a free agent, I think teams would happily throw the big guarantees at him. But if you miss out on a free agent, no one really needs to know. Whereas 
you go and make an offer and then you don't get it, you just end up looking silly. So um, I think that's sort of the two big factors that are holding him back. And I just think post-draft it will happen. Um, if it happens pre-draft, I think it's a trade rather than a, they actually give him the offer sheet because I, I think the Ravens will go, yeah, we'll get this done. Give us the second. We can trade up with that and try get our quarterback this year. Um, I don't think they'll get high enough. They'll get someone great. But hey, Will Levis, Kenny Pickett, that sounds like a phenomenal QB uh, pairing for the Browns to against. They, listen, uh, this has provided a lot of great fodder for a lot of national media types. This has provided a lot of chances to take swipes at the Browns uh, for a lot of the national media types because the Browns have ruined the quarterback market and look, the teams are boycotting because the Brown, what the Browns did with Deshaun it's provided a lot of good fodder, but a lot of what we've been saying, I've been saying it, you guys have been saying it. This is not a situation that was ever likely to play out over the course of uh, one or two weeks. It just wasn't. And the fact of the matter is all these teams can sit up on their mighty uh, ethical high horses, their moral high horses and say, well, we're not doing this and blah, blah. We don't like what the Browns did, all that stuff. The fact of the matter is that draft is going to come and go. And there's going to be a couple teams that want to win some games this year that don't have a quarterback. There's going to be a couple teams that are all of a sudden starting to hit that panic button. They don't have to do it yet, but that's going to happen. So I, I still think we're far from over with this Lamar Jackson thing, but there's no way, in my opinion, that dude is sitting out this year. Some team is going to go get Lamar Jackson and he's going to be playing this year. You know, there was an interesting article that came out last weekend of it from a, a guy I occasionally give a hard time to, uh, who is uh, uh, almost legendary in Cleveland. That's Terry Pluto. And, and Terry Pluto uh, wrote an article, I, I think, on Sunday. And basically what he said in the article, and I'll ask for your reaction to this, Jack, is that it's not the Browns' fault that Lamar Jackson hasn't signed a contract. <laughs> because the Ravens had every opportunity to extend him after Josh Allen signed a deal with the Bills. That was the template that the Ravens should have acted on. Now, my theory is that the Ravens didn't act on that because of injury. They wanted to give Jackson as much time to play as possible and see if he was doing okay when it was, came time to extend him, that they were sort of playing that game with him. That's just a theory. I have nothing to back that up. But, you know, do you think that 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 is the case, that the Ravens have no one to blame but themselves? Yeah, it's 100% their choice. And to be fair, part of me thinks it's it's not a bad decision not doing the deal. I think they should have just got out in front of it and traded him and got it done. In the same way, we look back to a year ago where the Browns should have just got out in front of it and sent Baker to... Um, Washington before the Carson Wentz trade and gone, hey, it doesn't matter what happens. We just need this done. Um, I think that should just be a direction they should have gone. Um, I, I think there's a legit reason why you don't want to pay that guy because if we've seen times where there's him, Kyla, as soon as that sort of run aspect of the game goes, all of their passing stuff falls through the floor because there's not the threat of is it run or is it pass that the defenders are going with. If they know you've become a pocket quarterback, numbers don't hold up as well. So um, for me, the preferred route is they extend him there. I would rather that than they go and get a quarterback that's going to cost them maybe four or five million a year rather than 50 million a year. Um, And then they have the extra picks and everything else. So part of me is perfectly content for him to uh, end up there. But I think he's gone. It's just a case of when now. 
Um, part of me is like, do you want to extend him? If Baker Mayfield was willing to come down to 25 million a year, the Browns probably look at extending him. Um, mm-hmm. What, after that 2021 season? Yeah. Um, and we'd have all been really happy with that at 25 mil- million. But at the time, post that, we'd be sat there going, why did they pay him 25 million? He's not good enough. Um, right. So it, it's that tough one. And the argument is he hasn't won a Super Bowl costing a few million a year. In what world is he going to do it costing forty-five million a year? That that would be my argument with any of these quarterbacks. Not just win a Super Bowl, but if you all get into sort of the the last four, the last eight consistently, I think you've got an argument. If you're not doing that, is that someone you really want to throw everything at? Probably not. Here's a question for you, Brad, from our buddy Eco, and he wants to know uh, if we think it's possible that the Rats. Uh, trade away uh, Lamar Jackson at a little bit of a discount to someone just to get him out of their hair, or if they're going to hold on for every piece of value they possibly can. Yeah, I doubt they sell low on him. I mean, they they are so far into this. It's either, you know, they're going to get the haul of a lifetime or they're going to hang on for dear life, I feel like. Like, you know, they've negotiated that way from the start, so here they are. And uh, I can't see them budging on that at all. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You guys mentioned you thought somebody would go after him after the draft. And I get the impact of not having that pick. But I don't know if anybody can. There's a lot of factors here, right? And one of the major factors, I think, that teams realize is if they sign him to an offer sheet, they think that Baltimore is just going to match it and they know that already. So why waste the time to do that? If you think they're going to match it And the only way that the reason that any team would really want to do that is if they could structure it in a way that Baltimore couldn't match it. And I don't think any team, anybody's financially in that situation right now where they want to gamble that kind of money, take on a $50 million cap hit in the first year to kind of force Baltimore off of matching that. I don't think there's anybody in that situation. So there's a lot of factors at play here, but I don't really see a lot of teams making a run at them for that reason alone. Well, but one thing, Brad, again, this relies on conversations that I am not privy to, right? Sure. But but it very much feels like the relationship is severed to a point where there's there's, you know, a team may be able to have some kind of background confirmation or background conversation with Baltimore saying, hey, listen, uh, we want to offer this. We want to do this because Baltimore can do whatever they want. They can they can match if they want. But, like, this relationship is in a bad, bad place right now. So at yeah. what point is Baltimore just putting on kind of a show uh, and saying, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But why, why would they match it at this point? I mean, like, uh, you know, Lamar has already said goodbye. You know, like, he's already done his yeah. goodbye post. I'm out. See you later. I don't want to be here anymore. At what point does Baltimore say, listen, this is not a reparable situation with our quarterback, and I don't want to go into a season with a quarterback that doesn't want to be here and doesn't like it here. Uh, at what point do they say, we're, we're probably not going to match? They may not say that publicly, but there may be conversations behind the scenes with stuff like that. If they aren't going to match, they would be back-channeling a sign-in trade, I think, is how they would handle it. If they were willing to concede, like, hey, you know, this – we're 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 not gonna you know he's out the door it's too fractured to come back from i think they would go ahead because they can come to another agreement 
uh, and just tear up the, you know, the uh, tag at this point and, and do a sign and trade or whatever. But they would have to come to an agreement with a team, however, and, and I don't think they're at that point yet. At least it doesn't sound like it. I mean, they still have – the ball is still in their court, right? Like – they also have know. a Pro Bowl quarterback on the roster with that, <laughs> right? Super Pro Bowler. I, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> he legitimately he won should. that Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, he's a Pro Bowl. Keep an eye on, for me, an interesting part will be between day one and day two of the draft. Because teams can chat to Lamar now and agree a deal. So that can almost be signed off and know that's happening. And they might just go to the Ravens and go, look, we don't want to mess around with an offer sheet here. We don't want to go through that. We'll give you our first, the next two years, trade, and it's done then. They put the offer sheet on him, and it's all sorted. So um, they're not on the offer sheet. They're, they'll just get him to sign the extension. So um, I think that could legit happen that we get to the end of day one and a team goes, hey, if we could have got Anthony Richardson maybe at three or four, we would do that as a preferred route because we know the upside of getting that young, cheap QB. Hey, they didn't accept our trade or someone else beat our trade offer. Now let's do the trade. And I think it might be a trade and then extend rather than an offer sheet because you don't want to go through the mess. And then worse comes to us, if you trade and someone else tries to put an offer sheet in, it doesn't matter. You can just go, yeah, we'll match it. Well, let's... Uh... As fascinating as it is to watch things devolve down in Baltimore and as enjoyable as it is, uh, let's uh, focus on some other Cleveland Browns uh, uh, news, such as it is uh, this week. One item that uh, passed the desk is that the Browns hosted a couple of wide receivers, a couple of draft-eligible wide receivers this week, uh, Nathaniel Tank Dell of Houston and uh, Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee. Now, what I considered to be interesting in, 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 in these visits is that uh, uh, Dell very likely to be available, you know, almost certain to be available at 74 and very likely to be available, you know, good shot at being available at 98, you know, if he drops a little bit, I think he's consensus in the eighties somewhere, but Hyatt, Hyatt, if you look at the mock drafts, he's going mid second round, you know? So why bring in a player, who's probably not going to be there at 74. So let me go to you, Mike, and uh, put your uh, conspiracy tinfoil hat on here. Uh, (laughs) Does this mean that AB is thinking about making some moves, or is he just hoping that uh, uh, he gets lucky and Hyatt drops down the draft board for some reason? Uh, Let me put this as clear as I can. It absolutely means that AB is thinking of moves. But that, that may not be as, like, uh, a wow of a statement as it may sound. AB's always looking at moves. It's the way that guy operates. That guy doesn't close doors. Doors are going to stay open for any option, any route uh, for that guy, whether it's trades up or trades down or wherever he needs to go. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it certainly is very interesting. Jalen Hyatt is, of all the guys that are potentially possible – to kind of fall a little bit out of the first round into the second round, whatever Jalen Hyde is that big playmaking wide receiver uh, that we're all clamoring for uh, with the Cleveland Browns. He is a big time, big play dude. And yeah. so uh, he fits really well. Uh, he, he fits in the long term really well with the Browns. And so would the Browns have to trade up to get him? Yeah, most certainly, unless 
he has done something atrocious in like pre-draft interviews or something, which he hasn't by any stretch. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting. Again, they're limited to how many number uh, of these visits they can have with players. And so to take one of those visits for a guy that is not going to be there in the seventies, um, it shows you something. They wouldn't just do that for fun. They're not just trying to take this dude out to dinner to be friends with him. Uh, and so, I mean, it's a due diligence thing, but it, I think it also does show that they're willing to do if they if they need a trade up because they think he's the right guy, they'll do it. That's what it says to me. Jack, Brad, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. Uh, Jack, you can go here. Um, so the thing about Hyatt is this, right? He is very, very slight. Um, he is a really tough evaluation. So, like, you know, I watched a couple of his cut-ups, right? It's hard to evaluate anybody in the Tennessee offense, right? Because that offense was just like, you know, the quarterback, they only look one side of the field. Uh, I, I was watching, and somebody threw some numbers out, too, when they were talking about Hyatt. Um, the way that they set him up, I think he saw press coverage like 60 times all season where a lot of receivers will see press coverage like 200 times in a season because of the way they had him lined up. And those guys in Tennessee were just running wide open all over the field all season long. It's really hard. It's a really tough evaluation. Like, it really is. I think that he is – my conspiracy is that he is a lot – uh, farther down on boards, uh, on NFL teams' boards than what, like, the public has him on. I think he goes further down. And I actually think Tank Dell is a lot higher on teams' boards than what people think. Um, yeah, I agree with he that. He is a freak. Uh, you know, he made people look silly at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he has had a really good offseason. Um, and so... In a class that goes, you know, Smith, uh, you know, Smith, uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba from uh, Ohio State, Addison and Quentin Johnson, all good size guys, and then a bunch of really small guys, right? It's a really size deficient wide receiver draft. I think Tank Dell, for a lot of people, is the first one of those small guys. So uh, I know the PFF guys had him as, like, their fourth wide receiver, uh, you know. Um, so uh, I think uh, he may be higher, and I think Hyatt may be further down than what we think. So just a few points here from me. Um, one's on Scott Simmons' comment there that you pulled up on the screen. Do – do they have too many picks? I'm writing on it tomorrow. I think they can easily get eight picks onto this roster, if not more. I'm very much with fumble in the comments of smokescreen. I do not genuinely believe the people they bring in for interviews are the people they intend to draft. Because why would you tip your entire pick slate to the other 31 teams of going, these are the guys we like? I think lots of them, they bring them in more for relationship building, as Jake spoke about on his podcast, of going, hey, if this guy's then up in the future, whether it's as a free agent or they're in a trade, that sort of Elijah Moore style. Um, And just to give an example of um, trading, because I did an article some point last week, I think it might have come out Saturday, but who knows when it came out, on five-year history of around all of our draft picks trading up, down. Every time Andrew Berry's traded up, it's been two for two swap. So he's not given away picks because he knows the value of the picks. Realistically, the highest we can get 
looking at history is we could give up picks 74 and 98 and go up and get pick 56 and then 121. So that's probably, if we were going to see a trade, the sort of trade you go and see, mid-50s is sort of the highest you can get. So you go sort of 20 picks up, and then you go 30 picks back with the second pick, and that's how it balances out. I'll, I'll just last comment, Barry, before I mm-hmm. back you. I, pre- I personally would stay away from Hyatt. I, I'm not a big fan. I think you can do better uh, in this draft. I think there's better wide receivers in this draft than Hyatt. Mims, right. if he's there, analytics loves Mims. So if he's there at 74, keep an eye on him being the pick. Um, you probably won't hear any links to him. But if he's there at 74, expect him to be gone. To the I, I like uh, I like Mims and uh, Rice, too. Rasheed Rice is, is a good uh, guy as well that I think that uh, will be around that area that um, people are, are pretty high on. I like Rice and Mims, both of them. Very similar players, too. Absolutely. I, I've been hearing a lot about Mims of late. And if I'm hearing about it, I'm a web dork, you know, come on, you know, he's, he's getting some buzz of late. That's for sure. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about a guy who didn't wind up with the Browns and apparently didn't even get uh, brought into town by the Browns. And that's Ryan Neal, a safety from the Seahawks. And we got kind of excited here in the OBR when we found out that, the Seahawks pulled their restricted free agent tender offer from Ryan Neal, making him an unrestricted free agent. And we thought to ourselves, we're a little bit short at safety. You know, maybe he would fit in nicely. But the Browns didn't display any interest in him. And maybe, Jack, you can explain to me, you know, given that I'm a web dork, you know, why the Cleveland Browns, uh, would have passed on a guy like Ryan Neal. That doesn't make any sense to you? Yeah, so there's, if you're a free agent, you're looking for two things. You're looking for money, which, hey, the, Brown, the Browns can do that. They're not going to, we haven't seen the deal yet, um, but I don't think it's going to be crazy money on a one-year deal. And then the other one is opportunity. And the issue is, if you're signing him, what, why is he going to come here? He's going to be the third safety battling with Delpit for a spot, whereas he's gone to Tampa where... He, he's starting. So he can put up a whole season where if he plays well, he can go back into free agency next year and be talking about that Thornhill, maybe even more money because he was phenomenal last year, but it's one year. So teams want that second year of proof. So rather than coming to the Browns and, hey, you're buried on the depth chart and then next year you're going, hey, you can be the starter. Delpit's gone into free agency. Go to a team where you, if he does what he did last year, again this year at Tampa, Hey, 10 mil plus, he can go get that and he'll get paid. So opportunity is just as important. It's why we've seen guys like, remember MJ Stewart, um, Browns fans like, why didn't we keep him? He's only signed for 2 million when he went to Houston. Um, Even Okronkwo, the year before where um, he went to Houston on a really cheap deal and people are like, well, why weren't the Browns in on this? Well, the Browns can't offer the opportunity. If you've got Clowney and you've got Garrett, there is no amount of snaps that this guy is going to become a starter. So it's unfortunately one of those things that definitely factors in. All right. Thank you very much, Jack. Um, Let's go on to the next topic. And that is uh, a guy wearing a Deshaun Watson jersey wanted to get a Tyreek Hill jersey signed. And he had Tyreek Hill in front of him with a pen, walked up to him with the jersey. And Tyreek Hill told him, 
that he wanted to become a Brown. Uh, yeah, but he just, it just couldn't happen. So Mike, I'm going to point this to you. I, do you have any idea why Tyreek Hill wanted to come to Cleveland and why Tyreek Hill was unaware of the fact that the Browns had virtually no day one or day two picks that we could possibly draft for him or trade for him? Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't expect Tyreek Hill to know anything about draft pick situations at all. <laughs> why would he know anything about that? Uh, I think Tyreek Hill was just talking. I think he was just being friendly with a fan. I think he was just saying, you know, that guy was there. He was there to get an autograph. Tyreek kind of appreciated it. He saw the Browns jersey. He saw Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson, listen, everything aside, I think Deshaun Watson is wildly popular amongst players in the NFL. I think Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson is incredibly popular amongst players in the NFL. I think for a lot of reasons, it seems like players in the NFL love Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, like, does it surprise me to hear a wide receiver say he wants to come play with Deshaun Watson? I think a lot of players would say they want to come play with Deshaun Watson. That, you know, that that's not really a, 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 any kind of commentary on anything else. But I think a lot of guys like him. So I think this guy was just trying to make a fan happy, trying to say, hey, I'd love to come to Cleveland and play with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Giving a dude, I, there's no, to me, it's not a story. It's not like, I don't think you should, I don't think any Browns fan should be sitting here uh, anticipating uh, Tyreek Hill demanding a trade from Miami to Cleveland, right? Like, he was just <laughs> making the dude happy. Having a good time, having a nice conversation. Yep. I think he likes John Watson. I think it's pretty much end of story there. It's uh, always fun to watch the media jump on these things. It's not really the what I call the real media. It's the you know more the clickbaity type type media. But we have a home for that sort of stuff on the OBR. We call it the OBR Daily Newswire. I jump on that sort of stuff mostly to make fun of it, but uh, uh, hey, I let's- enjoy those sort of stories. Let's send Fred into the next next press conference and have him ask if they're going to trade for Tyreek Hill and see if he gets kicked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'll uh, they'll move him back a row in the press box and they'll just they'll just keep moving him back until he's moved back into the, the little cafeteria. He's just area. at the buffet, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, at any rate, that's Tyreek Hill. Um, let's. Uh, uh, I have two more subjects I want to go through, and then we're going to go to. I, I think we have six questions from uh, the chat room. And if you've got any more for the guys, feel free to fire them off and we will get to them before we uh, go off the air here at 8 o'clock. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, the Cleveland Browns meeting with quarterbacks. Uh, they're going to be meeting with Dorian Tom- uh, Thompson Robinson uh, of UCLA. They're going to be meeting with Clayton Toon of Houston. Um, starting to do something, well, maybe starting to do something, uh, noting you know Jack's commentary about you know, not necessarily drafting the people that they bring into town, but they may be starting to do something that um, other teams do, which is consistently look at developmental quarterbacks in the, in, in the later rounds, which we haven't seen a lot of here in Cleveland uh, memories, fond memories of Spurgeon win aside, Brad, <laughs> uh, uh, you think Kellen Mond might get some competition this year, or uh, do you think, uh, again, I they're think- just scouting around for, uh, uh, guys who might fit fit their system. I think Kellen Mond's already got competition in Josh Dobbs personally. Uh, mm. But um, I would say that no, Mike. Well, no, that's not. Sorry, I wasn't saying no. I I don't uh, think Josh Dobbs and Kellen Mond are in a competition. I think Josh yeah. Dobbs is. I, in my yeah, opinion, I, I, 
to be the backup. That's kind of how I felt too. Uh, I like I like uh, Dobbs as the backup, and you know what? I think that um, this Dorian, uh, what is it? DTR? Is that what it is? Yeah. The the uh, uh, abbreviations. <laughs> that's what that's what they call him. Um, I don't know if he's going to get drafted. I think somebody will take him late probably. I heard some people saying that uh, he might not get drafted or, you know, this is a way to get uh, a good relationship with him if he's going to be a UDFA. Was that was that our Slack where that, I saw that maybe? Was that you, Jack? Was that you, Jack? I, I expect him to get drafted. Um, I yeah, think I think he will someone too. Someone will pick him. Um, and it might be one way they've brought him in thinking if someone else picks him in round six – because if you people are like, oh, stash a guy on the practice squad to get a guy to the practice squad, you have to waive them, and any team can then claim them. And if no one claims them, they then have the choice to re-sign or not, because you're not automatically gone to the practice squad. And we had um, was it a, a Marvin something, um, the defensive tackle, uh, a couple of years ago that we tried to re-sign, and he instead went to uh, uh, the Eagles. Um, I forget who it was, um, but that might be the route that Marvin Wilson, thank you, Ian, in the comments. Um, that might be the route they're looking and thinking, Hey, someone else can draft him in the fifth, sixth round. If yeah. you're a sixth round pick, you are no lock to make the roster. And if they wave him and try to get him to practice, well, we'll then steal him. We've had this great chat with him and we can be like, Oh yeah, someone draft him before we got to you, um, and take him. Or it could just be in a year's time. He doesn't make the team and they're like, we're going to bring you in then and you replace Dobbs. So I think it's more sussing out because if you bring him in, you've got to trim a roster spot somewhere else. So either like your fourth running back, your uh, 10th O-lineman, your, uh, say, they're not, it won't be the ninth uh, D-lineman, uh, maybe sick linebacker, but that's special team spot, your 10th DB, special team spot. I don't see them cutting this. Effectively, you remove a special teamer to keep a third quarterback. And always I mean, seeing could, this offseason, could they, they stuff love him on the throne and get more guys. I just could they, you draft could they him stuff the him on the practice round, squad? I don't think he gets the practice squad, is the issue. Okay. okay. Um, and I, th- I think that's the challenge. So I don't see them going that route. I think, in theory wise, they would love to. And if the rule was there that they'd added a 54th. Um, roster spot because I know um, there was talks on what they would do around it they they would be straight away be like we're certainly investing in a third quarterback because the Eagles do it Eagles have been a big fan of you have your proven veteran as your starter you have a reliable backup and then you draft a developmental guy it just comes down to where does that roster spot come from could be the fourth running back but yeah it's messy and, and and I don't think uh, guys, I don't think the Browns are ready for that. Like, like the Eagles can do that, especially now. I mean, that roster, you could take one of those spots and give it to a developmental quarterback, and you don't feel like you're missing anything because the we've talked about the floor with this Browns team so much this offseason. The floor with the team like the Eagles is so high right now uh, that they can do it. But for the Browns, I mean, they're still the the focus is still bringing that floor up for the Browns and, and just getting that influx of talent from the top to the bottom of the roster. But I agree with you, Jack. I, I like the idea. I love the idea of a, a late round pick on, on a quarterback like this, but I, I don't, I don't trust that it would do any good for the Browns. And I don't 
I don't know that you take a roster spot to to do it. See, stylistically, he matches Deshaun, and oh, that's yeah. what's so intriguing about it. Yes. Now, the thing is, the, when you brought in Dobbs, though, I think you kind of sealed your fate as your backup because he's rocket scientist smart. He's a great sounding board for him. He showed he's a gamer at the end of last year, and if you listen to that interview, they've known each other since, like, 10th grade. So he's, like, the perfect backup for Deshaun. So I don't, uh, you know... That's kind of where I'm at, but I, I, I don't really care about it. if he, if they could stick him on the practice squad, I'd be all for it. I don't really care about a practice squad spot, but I mean, some team would probably snag him up. Maybe I don't know. They'll have a third QB on the practice squad, so it's always going to be three on the roster or two on the roster and one on the practice squad. That's always where they'll want to be because you want that third body around. By the way, they should have passed. They tabled that rule, and of all the rules that they should have passed, that should have been the one rule that they did pass after watching the NFC Championship game. I mean, sure. how stupid sure. is it not to just have a designated? Yeah, yes. don't get yes. me started. I already went on. <laughs> he's already started. Go, Brad. <laughs> yeah, he's already gone. The, he's already gone. The chat's already seen this tangent before. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, we are about to go to uh, visitor questions from the chat room. Uh, we've got six of them. Uh, zap us another one if uh, if you are so inclined. Uh, a couple of programming notes. First of all, Mister Ward will be on the air tomorrow night uh, on YouTube and chat on the OBR streaming network. Uh, is that go at seven or eight there, Brad? Tomorrow night. Well, We'll be on at 8 o'clock tomorrow night uh, with uh, Joe, uh, and I. his na- last name is escaping me. It's an Italian last name. And it's De Leon. De Leon. Joe De Leon, NFL draft expert from uh, Stadium and uh, the Believe Podcast Network. So he is very, very good with the draft, and uh, he will be on to answer all your draft questions. All right. Uh, another programming note, uh, keep your eyes on the OBR. I, I was thinking of this as we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, Andrew Berry's tendency to move up and down the draft board because what we're doing on the OBR is we are going through a voluminous list of players who we think will be in the conversation at 74 and 98 around that area. Uh, players that we think the team will be interested in, players that the team – you might think the players might think the team would be interested in, but we don't think that they're going to be that interested in. We'll explain to you why. Uh, and we're going to be doing uh, draft profiles of those players, you know, at least probably one a day, you know, maybe two some days, you know, as we go through them, uh, just trying to show you what we think of these guys from the uh, uh, analytics angle, from the scheme fit angle, you know, just from, you know, the, the combined brain power of the OBR team uh, in massing on uh, all of these draft players. So keep an eye on that. We did one on Derek Hall today. That's a starter. Uh, get you used to what we're doing there. And uh, also remember, shop.theobr.com. We're selling salary caps like they're going Let's out go. of style, people. Uh, you want to get yourself one. All right. With you that, get it before uh, Andrew wears it on here because that's when it goes out of style. <laughs> Oh, boy. He's not even here to defend himself, Mike. Come on, man. I hang out with him enough. It's okay. I can talk about him like this. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Question from Larry in the chat room. Uh, Let me throw this one to you, Jack. Uh, Although uh, we don't have any inside scoop on this, I'll just ask for your speculation. 
but uh, do we have any idea why Goodwin hasn't been officially signed yet, Marquise Goodwin? I've got absolutely no idea. Um, I don't think it's one where he's holding out or anything. It could simply be he's on holiday, um, which he might have just gone on holiday, visited the Browns, hadn't signed him, and, hey, let's go on holiday for a week. Um, and then he needs to come back to the building and sign. So I'm not worried. If there had been noise around other visits and stuff, then I'd start to get concerned. If anything, his route with the Woods injury is actually easier to make the roster than not. Yeah. Um, so keen to see how the structure is because it's going to be cheap, but the amount of guarantees is telling. Um, it could be like 152500 which in case he's battling for a roster... Or it could be one where they guarantee like half a mil and it's like you can write his name in pen. All right, we'll do a uh, we'll do a round robin on this one here. Uh, we won't uh, we won't start with Mike because he is headfirst on the table. We'll start comment with you, by Cap Casualty. I'm sorry that what that is amazing. That is amazing. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jack. Dang it! I should have gone full screen. <laughs> I should have gone full screen so I didn't see it. I'm sorry. That was awesome. <laughs> all right. All right. You have way words. Chaos, chaos in the chat room. Sorry about that. Uh, the question's from Scott Simmons. We'll start with you, Brad. Over and under, Watson throws for 4,200 yards. Over. Over. Well over. Right. Yeah. I. I uh, it, it, you mentioned it in here, uh, but I did a piece on uh, the increase in volume and the uh, target share. Mm-hmm. With Elijah Moore, uh, and um, I think you know, if we see the increase in, in in volume that we're expecting, I mean, I think that we could be. What do you guys like think? Like sixty to eighty targets for wide receiver three. That's what the good teams in the AFC, the wide receiver threes get. And I think Moore could even probably pass Donovan Peoples Jones as wide receiver two. So you might even see a change there. So. Uh, I have high expectations for him, but um, yeah, I well, I think over forty two hundred. All right, what about you, Jack? Well, I actually wrote on this uh, predicting targets everything next year, and I've got four two two seven. So uh, I'm going slightly over on the numbers, um, but I wrote crap. a piece looking at what Watson did in his three years, which is going to be higher than we'll get in uh, Cleveland, just because they were behind. Then average that off with what the Browns have done for three years, which is lower because Stefanski's ran the ball too much. A fireable offence. Um, and then not just looked at what Watson does, but then looked at where the ball goes. Um, does it go to running backs, to wide receivers, to tight ends? And then average that all out. So um, a really good piece that looks at all of it. Um, but yeah, 4227 is what I came out with. Uh, be interesting to know when we get to the end of the season how, how far I was off. All right, over to you, Mike. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say slightly under. I'm gonna say sl- my my. I, I I think we're all getting excited that that I think the the there is gonna be more passing this year. I think the offense is gonna revolve around passing a little bit more, but it it's not going away from Nick Chubb either. They're 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 gonna run the ball. I think more than Jack wants them to. And I know Jack doesn't like that, but I love it. I love He's it. He's probably gonna get it like twelve times, Mike. Forty one yeah. times. He'll get it like 12 times a game, and, and eight of those will be in the fourth quarter when they're ahead. I I disagree with you. I don't think it's – I think it's going to change. I'm I don't just think it's going to change that dramatically because we all know the rule. We all know the rule that Chubb runs the ball 20 times, Browns win. Chubb <laughs> runs 20 times, 
Browns win, baby. No, listen, I think I think that uh, I think they're still going to run the ball a lot, uh, which I think is great because you've got one of the best runners of the football in the NFL. You got one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the NFL, and they're just really good at it. Uh, so my I would say over four thousand yards, slightly under forty two hundred. I think he's going to come in somewhere between there, and I I think that's great. Like I think I think that would be phenomenal. How about we pass the lead? And then while we're both still drinking at halftime, Mike, they can just start running the ball in the second half. And we're 21-3 up, and who cares? Yeah. As long as, you, as long as you get your ass to Cleveland so we can just drink some of these beers together. That's, as long as uh, they win, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. who cares? Who cares? You know, I, I, the whole 20, 20 carries a game thing, don't, don't make me say the correlation <laughs> causation thing. Just don't yeah. make me say Kneel it. Kneel down. I don't, I don't Kneel it. No, I want I want Barry to go off on a tangent here. Twenty <laughs> runs equals win. Prove me wrong. Prove Don't me wrong. Me Neil three times. You got a 99.8 percent win percentage. <laughs> well, you, you you know one of, one of the things here is you, I I do not know you know X's and O's like Jake. I don't know the salary cap like Jack does. I I I, I don't know you know football to the degree that any of you guys do. But the one thing I do know is I know the media because I read all these stories every day when I do the newswire. And going to your point, Brad, about the team throwing a lot more, I'm seeing mass confusion in the media. I'm seeing interviews and articles with people who say, claim that the Browns are going to continue to build off the play action. I see articles saying that they're going to go to the pass, that they're, Kevin Stefanski says that the rules are built to the pass. I don't think anybody really knows, do they? At least not in the media what the Browns are going to do. Uh, but there, 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 there does seem to be a feeling that it's going to be much, much more pass-oriented in uh, 2023. I think there's mixed – yeah, like I heard um, – who was it? Brian uh, Baldinger, who I think is excellent. I heard him come on and say, no, I think they'll be run-heavy still and right. it'll be very similar. Uh, and I was surprised to hear that. Because I think there has been legitimate breadcrumbs left by <clears throat> Stefanski, Deshaun, and Barry when they've spoke about a uptick in passing and an uptick in throwing the ball. Um, even the when he was on Pardon uh, My Take, I think Kevin um, alluded to it multiple times, especially when he was talking about you know, they were trying to get him to say, give the ball to Chubb 20 times. And he was like, how about I just write, you know, score more points. And then he, he also wanted to put the idea that you need to run the ball to uh, for play action to work. And he's like, that's a fallacy. He's like, you don't, you know, he's, he's like, that's a fallacy. That's not true. You don't need to run the ball for play action to work. And I think all of those things allude to him throwing it more. And Larry put made a point in the chat just a minute ago that, that, Kevin loves to run the ball. I actually don't think that's true. I think at heart, Kevin wants to throw the ball more than anything. I think I it's an that. internal battle he has, but I think deep down in his in his heart of hearts and his soul, he's he wants to throw it all over the yard, baby. All right, fair I, I, I agree with that. I, there's just not like in my opinion, there's just not one way to win. Like it's just there isn't one way to win, and that's you know I think sometimes we get so deep and so locked into this run versus pass, and should you do this or should you do that. That you you're you're trying to tell yourself that there's there's one there's a formula there's one formula you follow this formula you win there isn't one formula to win and with the way the Browns are constructed 
here's why we should all be excited. We can all argue about should they pass more or run more or whatever, but why we should be excited is they should be really good at both. And they should be able to win games by doing both of those things because they they should be elite in the run game. And you you better believe that if Deshaun Watson is what they want him to be, they better be elite in that passing game too. And that should get everybody pretty excited about this Browns offense. Running, passing, and everything in between. I, I think there is a formula to win. And I, I think the formula to win is written by the NFL owners. You know, a bunch of goofballs who points. don't understand anything other than what looks good on TV and what looks good on TV is if the game looks like a big game of pinball, you know, they, they want the ball to be thrown, you know, they, they want action. They want high scoring. They want to keep the viewers. And so the rules have been twisted over time to make it more and more of a passing game. That's what Stefanski is saying. And so I, I, I do think, I think Stefanski sees that based on his comments, but your point is well taken, Mike. Your point is well taken. Let's go to another question uh, from uh, Bronze in the Twitch chat room. He asked, if D-Hop gets cut, do you think there would be mutual interest? And this is a tricky bit, at the right price. <laughs> so the concept of price comes up. So I'm going to point this one to you, Jack. It really comes down to what he wants. Um, if he is after a ring, that price is very different than if he just wants to get paid. Um, and if I'm him, I'm chasing the payday because, quite frankly, money's more important than anything else. Um, so, life lessons with Jack. Good, good luck to him. Um, I, I think the best natural fit is still the Lions, just as a team that have no expensive wide receivers. Um, he could go there and he slots in nicely on a one year deal. He can then take that forward. Whereas you come here. You've already got 20 million invested in Cooper, so your spending budget is naturally a lot smaller. Um, I, I, I still just I don't see it, if I'm honest, um, especially with the more trades. So good luck to him wherever he lands, but yeah, I, I don't see it in Cleveland. Unless he wants to take a much cheaper deal, then I'm sure they would love to embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I don't see it happening. Let's, let's go to a question from uh, Larry. Uh, in the YouTube chat room. Uh, he says, May 1st, a decision on Will's fifth-year contract is due. Do you think a rookie tackle might influence that decision? Uh, let's uh, let's go to you, Brad. What do you think if they draft someone, let's say fairly early in the draft at offensive tackle? Do you think that might influence them this May, or uh, is that more of something that would impact them uh, a year if, down the road? If they did it, if they like went at 74 and there's probably somebody good enough there to do it, I don't think they'll do that. Uh, I do not think that's in the cards. And I think we probably see him extended. Um, there's just in, in me and Jack, you know, we've gotten into this, you know, pretty deep, deeply. It's, I've gone down this wormhole a few times on his contract extension, but there's just not enough good offensive line play throughout the NFL, right? Like uh, an average left tackle and for what it's going to cost him on his fifth year option, it's kind of a deal and you just go with it until the end of that and then make a decision from there. So, and I I don't think at 74, you have a a lock of somebody that's going to be better. So I think they'll probably go elsewhere. Yeah. Do you have any comment on that? 
Yeah, that 14.175 million feels like a lot. But when, as Brad said, you pull up the list of what they earn at left tackle, he's just below average at that number. So it's one that I don't think drafting a left tackle, and I do think they draft a left tackle. Um, I think it's one where you're going to get a rookie, Hudson, Wills and Conklin. That's the room. And then they'll move on from Haig, probably at the end of camp, either in a trade or a cut. Um, but that player, if he's ready in a year's time, they can trade Wills off. And they would happily move him off and a team would pick him up. And it might be one where they go, actually, we'll eat five million of this deal to facilitate a trade and get a slightly better pick. But they would rather go that route than just lose him. Um, and it gives you two years to work it out. So if you go and view it and say, hey, get two years. And if it doesn't work out with a rookie this year, that's fine. We'll then draft a one again next year or do something again then. That's fine. Give yourself options. It's the best place to be that you have different choices of what works out. And he is perfectly fine as an average paid left tackle because he produces average. I still struggle to ever see a long-term deal here. So I think it's one where they pick up the option. They've got two years to work out a long-term plan. And in all honesty, in two years' time, all five of these offensive linemen in Cleveland that are starting could all be gone. Antonio could have retired. Will's two years... Um, done. Conklin's only got two years guaranteed. Teller is a cut candidate for me next offseason. Pochic has only got two years guaranteed. All of these guys could be finished here. So they are looking for that next wave because everyone realistically needs replacement. I, I should have been more I should have been more clear that uh I, I don't think they'll take one at seventy four. They may take a left tackle in the draft. I just don't think they'll take one with their <clears throat> first two picks. Pardon me. And then um I was gonna. I was gonna say something else about uh, left. Uh, oh, it, given two years' time, he may figure it out by then too. Uh, so, let's you know, hope. let's hope. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't rule out let's... one at seventy-four though. It's, if there's someone they like there that slides, that for me is the most likely trade-up candidate. Um, a left tackle, really? Because hmm. if you can get a left tackle that is your eight to ten-year left tackle, that is more important than anything else they realistically need for the longer term um so yeah i would say if they trade up le- and there's one on the board they like left tackle makes the most sense for a trader which uh, is, i think i would fall out of my chair if they... <laughs> <laughs> don't do that well, don't do that you're getting up there in age you're gonna hurt yourself they uh they, they did show interest in dewan jones but that's when they were at 42 so i don't think it's uh i don't think it's too likely he'll be there but uh you never know Never know. Maybe he's interviewing horribly. We can always hope. Uh, last, last question of the night. This comes from Tysox15. Uh, is there any reason for urgency to act before the draft? And I think this is relating to free agent signings. Uh, let's go to you, uh, Mike. Do you think we have to, uh, you know, go nuts before the draft in terms of signing a defensive tackle? you think we can hold out for a little bit and wait? I think they've shown urgency in the time where they needed to show urgency. I think they brought the players in during the time where they needed to go get players to bring players in. Again, one offseason is very hard to fill every hole that you think happens in your roster. So I really, really like what the Browns have done this offseason. I like what they the moves they've made. I don't think there's any urgency, which is why I, you know, I think if if you expected them to show a level of urgency, I think 
Al Woods would probably be announced as a Cleveland Brown at this point because they probably wouldn't have let him leave uh, if they were going to show some kind of crazy level of urgency. But the fact of the matter is there's still good players out there. There's going to be good players out there this entire month. And there's going to be good players out there after the draft that are going to kind of sit there as teams wait to see how the draft kind of falls to them. Because we can all sit here and do this draft talk, but you know, the draft is like March Madness. You have no idea what's going to happen in this draft. You have no idea this guy that you think is going to be there at 74 gets taken at 30. And the the whole draft goes haywire. We don't know. So I, I don't think there's any real urgency that's needed. I think they've made smart, awesome moves this offseason. And uh, I think there will still be really good players for them to fill whatever holes are left after the draft, after the draft. Yeah, PFFs, uh, apparently, at least some people in PFF, calling it their favorite free agency season here at the Cleveland Browns. And uh, uh, we at the OBR have, by and large, approved of what's happening. You know, pretty happy uh, within the team, uh, you know, uh, with a a number of the signings. Hey, guys, thank you so much for filling in for Fred. I appreciate it. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming in and filling in. Uh, and uh, and hanging out uh, with me tonight. Uh, Fred will be back again next week. Uh, we will uh, sit here like we normally do. We will yell at clouds. We will chase kids <laughs> off of our yard and all this stuff that we normally do on OBR Weekly. Uh, Marcus and- can come back next week. <laughs> yeah, no, Marcus. He was, like, he was like, no, Fred, I'm out. I don't need to see these guys. <laughs> Yeah, he, he didn't just like old guys because he would have stuck around for me. He, yeah. Very specifically, he wanted Fred here. But uh, yeah. God bless him. He'll be back next week. Very good. Uh, but thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it. And appreciate everyone in the chat room. The, the Twitch chat room tonight was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I had a hard time keeping my eyes off of it. So thank you guys for uh, uh, keeping us amused throughout and for all your great questions. And uh, we'll be back again with another edition of OBR Weekly next uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. We will see you all then. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We'll see you next Wednesday. I'm taking this. I'm taking this. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.